0: Welcome to the next episode of Supply Chain Next, and we are today uh, really happy to have the uh, CEO of Request, my colleague and friend, Richard Martin, another Richard on, on the horn today. So uh, looking forward to the conversation we're going to have today. Welcome, Richard.
1: Thank you, sir. You can't have too many Richards.
0: <laughs> I think, and I, I want to be careful because the minute the two of us get into a, a conversation, there's a lot of giggling and joking going on, but uh, yeah. that, that's always yeah. part of the fun, too. So yeah. uh, awesome. Yep. Well, Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for jumping in. I definitely want to kind of kick it off and kind of get things going, but uh, would love to, um, you know, the whole episode here today is really kind of closing out the year reflections on 2019 and looking forward into 2020, but also uh, really getting a chance for at least on our uh, podcast to introduce you, um, you know, the, the founding CEO of Requis and Kind of where you've come from and how you've gotten here and gone into supply chain uh, and ultimately kind of think about 2019 and 2020 so that's going to be kind of the overview of the episode and i'd love to start with just an introduction of yourself richard uh you know maybe you can tell the audience a little bit about yourself and background and you know some of the things that you highlight uh you know about richard martin
1: yeah happy to do it yeah so uh i actually got my start in tech uh took my life savings i was about 16 bought a computer Uh, my dad thought i was wasting my money one of the hardest times of my life actually i did that without his approval uh he said it wouldn't you know be a waste of money as it turned out it was (laughs) a fruitful turned into a fruitful career uh spent time you know did a degree in software engineering computer science uh worked in research for a number of years worked in the national research institute uh just a lot of things in telecom telecommunications Ah, uh, spend a lot of time on infrastructure side of IT, uh, virtualization with VMware as well, and then eventually along that path, you know, start to uh, take a real interest in the supply chain and, and the demand chain, which we don't hear that side a lot, but really the you know the converse side, as you know, of the supply chain and the demand chain, and really start to take interest in that, and then uh, you know we ran into each other within this journey, and then you know along that path. Um, you know, Reckless was formed, which is really interesting, and and uh, you what know, kind of led to this moment right now? And, and I have to say that 2019 was a super exciting year for us. You know, actually, we were formed in the in the second half of 2018, so it's been an incredible 18 months, and just just a lot of highlights and a lot of evidence that you know the. The market and the and the supply chain just going in the direction that
0: we thought it was going. Cool. Um, well, you know, kind of going back a little bit too, and, and you sort of you went through things. And I think it's also really interesting to highlight, um, you know, not only you know where you started with with Nortel and VMware, but um, I mean your career spans about 20, 25 years right now, and really some interesting things and. Anything along that journey that you would highlight as some of the yeah. uh, kind of big <laughs> moments for Richard Martin?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of funny. I tend to not call out the amount of years anymore <laughs> just to uh, avoid I, aging I, I, myself. I understand.
0: I understand. Yeah,
1: uh, just to avoid aging myself. But uh, yeah, it has been interesting. Uh, I spent a lot of time at the beginning uh, trying to not have a job for a living. So uh, I played baseball and got the travel for the Nationals, which were the Expos at the time, and the Orioles. Uh, you know i had a really uh a really uh great opportunity there and then eventually that didn't work out i was actually for the longest amount of time racing cars on a racing teams so i got to race in a few grand prix uh, and that is a very big money sport so you know the, a few people the really great ones make it i didn't turn out to be one of those but then that that was final on way as well and then um really took a, a a liking to as i said before computer science and even business so Spent a lot of time, uh, I'm probably somewhat overeducated now, so did a couple of degrees, as I mentioned. Uh, came down to uh, live in North Carolina now. I came down to North Carolina mainly to go complete my MBA at Duke. Uh, I studied at Wharton as well, a certificate there. Uh, was in the process of uh, finishing a, a master's at Harvard uh, until we had our first child. And as a couple, we decided that, you know, that studying was uh, coming to a tail end. So I had to focus more on home and uh, and work but uh and you know it, it, and within that, I even hesitate to say this, but had a chance to apply for the space program. The astronaut program uh wasn't selected, but a very uh a colleague of mine where I worked was selected, and she flew actually two missions for Canada uh and is now uh the Governor general of Canada. So I've been very fortunate to work along some amazing people along the way. Just people are just a the peak level of what they're doing, whether it be you know, in baseball or, or, or you know, or, or race, race car driving or, you know, in tech, I've just been very fortunate to expose exposed to just tremendous people along the way.
0: I mean, that's, uh, okay, so just in my own head, right? Professional baseball, professional race car driving, uh, potential astronauts, uh, mixed in there, uh, and I don't want to lose sight of uh, oh. the, the, the recent uh, triathlon, which you uh, are not highlighting yeah. either, so maybe yeah. you can just take a second, because there's more well, to I, this, I, Richard.
1: I, I, I hesitate to get into too much of it, yeah, and I would say on the astronaut front, they never actually formally turned me down, so I'm con- I'm, I'm still under consideration for my
0: Well, Elon Musk is looking for people in SpaceX, so you could go drive yeah. the, uh, the Mars yeah, exploration.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I and I won't break any any windows of his car, so that'll be a fun benefit. Um, yeah, and then I, as Richard then tail I started to do Ironman. So in 2016, uh, I jumped into that. Uh, in the 2016 Ironman season, I completed four Ironman, uh, you know, finished in the first five uh, percent globally of Ironman and just uh, had a really great year. And I, I tend to do things when I get into something, I tend to do it more intensely. And so uh, I'm still doing those today. I'm going to do the North American Championship next year in Utah. Um, I just like to challenge myself and and really kind of see where things are going and what the possibilities are. Because it's always easy to say, yeah, it's, it's, you know, that something is not achievable, or not doable. But it's kind of surprising and shocking that when you just keep moving forward, just how far you can push things. And and probably that's kind of what led to the formation of Reckless, honestly.
0: Well, I, I, I think if I were to sort of also draw a theme here is no matter what you do, you put 100% of yourself into it. And you want to take it to its, its most extreme, you know, apex, you know, whether it's any of the things you've described here, you know, really quite frankly in your, you know, sports or sort of non-professional, well, I guess semi-professional, but uh, uh, professional career, but also in your professional career, um, you know, you kind of went over, you know, Nortel and VMware. I mean, you were at VMware, a really interesting time. I, I can't even imagine the lessons you would have pulled out of that and how that's kind of shaped your career and kind of led you to where you are now leading, leading Requis
1: yeah as I said I've just been it, it, tremendously blessed and fortunate to work with great people and you know folks that really bring a pressure on me like Carlschenbach over at vmware you know i I spent some time with He eventually you know uh you know led the company and great lessons learned from him as well, just from everybody around so again just just very lucky to work with tremendous people
0: awesome awesome well let 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 let's kind of segue into supply chain i mean you know G- incredible sports background, uh, incredible drive. You know, keep it going with the Ironmans today. But then, you know, as we've sort of moved into supply chain, what what got you into supply chain, or what kind of mo- You know, when did you when do you recall kind of joining that journey? Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I was actually involved in supply chain early without knowing it. Right, not something I thought about. But I was involved at Nortel. We actually made things. It wasn't only software. We actually had to make products and made chips and made hardware. And so was kind of involved in supply chain before I really knew or even thought about it as supply chain and then really went to more software centric businesses and as we start to come back around, you know I think the most compelling thing for me was supply chain was meeting people in that space and really feeling like it wasn't where it could be. there felt that there was a real gap, and I often will say this you know in more recent history feels like in the last decade as consumers we've you know we've had a tremendous path that we've traversed. It just takes to you know we're consuming now and and acquiring now in a way we we never did before, and if it really feels like on the industrial enterprise side that there hasn't been a similar path that's been traveled like it does not it's not the exact same path you know they have different needs they're just approaching differently. they're 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 procuring professionally, but there doesn't seem to be a path that has kind of taken hold there and when you talk to people who've been in the space throughout that period, you ask them, you know, how are things different now than say ten years ago? And there's very few differences, right? It's kind of shocking. And so I think the most compelling thing for me is the fact that it seems that there's a tremendous gap between what's currently you know instantiated, what's happening now, and what's currently possible. And that's really what, you know, kind of got me excited about this.
0: Incredible. Um uh, and, 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 and so and I think that's also true for a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but in, in this particular case with what you're going through. So what what was the big turning point into supply chain over the last few years, right? I mean, what's put you kind of full force into, you know, this is the new, new thing, or this is the new sexy, or, you know, yeah. I hear you talk a lot about how big supply chain is and kind of rallying the industry itself, um, because you're kind of coming as you know, like myself and, and a lot of us here, we've, we've indirectly been involved with supply chain, but as technologists, we saw the opportunity here in a huge gap, not only in, you know, where the supply chains were, right, with what they were doing and what they could be doing, but then also a lack of leadership um, in the area. Of, you know, not, not necessarily, there's not great leaders in supply chain, but they're not driving the change that we knew should be coming. So, you know, you kind of jumped into that and yeah. sort of driving that and became, became that kind of voice. You know, can you talk to that a little bit?
1: yeah absolutely so you know to your point we all come from different backgrounds you and i came from more of a tech side background so an example of a word i don't use office is digitization i don't think of things as me digitizing something i just think as me as developing an application or you know a a a, a platform i don't really and i don't use that word often but inherently it's it's the word that we're kind of you know enabling if you will you know my entry point on this was when you think about where IT was going with cloud and, and instances and the idea of making compute more virtual and paying more in consumption, there was this idea of how could we change the supply chain? So instead of buying computers and networking and, and storage, you are actually just buying consumption of it, whether it was on your site or at Amazon or wherever. It's the idea of just changing how that the IT supply chain worked. Actually, who bought the products? Who owned them? How are they brought in the supply chain, taken out and that, and then what happens, I think, I don't think that th- my focus changed, but the aperture really opened up, right? Instead of just being in IT and then being side by side, you know, with others that are focusing more on an industrial side or, or, or you know, en- uh, uh, other enterprise side, that when you open the aperture, there's this kind of sense that there's a lot of the same kind of issues and challenges that sometimes needs to be addressed a little bit differently, but they're, they're very similar overall. You can open the aperture and you're thinking there's a bigger picture here that we're missing. And it seems when you, and you were talking about leadership, Richard, I think you're right, there are tremendous leaders, right? But when you talk about people, the what the leadership that's changing, the leadership that's missing is the leadership to change it, right? That has to come from within. And so you speak to people that actually share a lot of our vision or parts of our vision are are all out there, you know, in in the wild right now. And I think what we're doing is really harnessing it, you know, injecting some of our own, you know, DNA and vision into it and really leading that level of change. So when we're coming back, speaking to professionals about Request, it doesn't really sound form to there. They're very welcoming. The arms are open. They have an appetite for that change. So we've really been able to I would say harness an incredible appetite for that change. And that's really what's pulling Reckless along right now.
0: And and I think that speaks also to um, timing, right? You know, being at the right place at the right time, people are starting to talk about this, but they're looking for those change agents. And it's a great segue into kind of the story of Reckless, right? Um, From from your own perspective, not only, uh, you know, how it got founded and where it was going, but also the parallel uh, and timing of it being, you know, kind of, in parallel with the industry itself, um, I think you know when I listened to you the other day at the conference and give the presentation that you gave, it, you know the analogy of the request development is is almost in parallel with the way the industry is changing. So, so maybe you can tell a little bit story about yeah. the request and just kind of your observation, the industry and the timing of where we're at overall.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the event you're talking about is obviously the oil and gas procurement and supply chain summit that just in Houston just last week. And what I would say, and I had mentioned to you this previously. That's the event where right? the most amount of feedback that we've got so far. We always get tremendous feedback. Where I, I said we're very fortunate, but you know, after I'd done the presentation, I didn't even get the lunch because people were all talking to us about what we're doing. People wanted to work with Request, for Request, be customers or partners of Request. And it's really, again, it's just that, you know that that vision of coming to fruition. And what I would state a little what I said later is that you know what you'll hear a lot about in the conferences and just when you read literature in general this kind of digitization automation all of the supply chains are words that we don't you know you and I don't natively use on the tech side it's not a word it's not as common a word because inherently we feel we're doing that so we don't call that out as such right but i think that that's really where there's this kind of you know, this overlap that's occurring right now this idea that you know the digitization is really where it's going but it's a little bit, a little bit more Now we think about from a reckless perspective, we're not trying to take the current process, you know, whichever is manual, whatever components exist today, and just digitizing those steps. We're kind of going further, waving our magic wand and saying, what could this be? Like, if it could be anything, what should this be? And how close to that can we get, right? And in some cases, it's, you know, it's one bridge too far. And that that's an okay answer as well, right? And you'll hear me often say that, you know, Request beyond being in computer science and data science are all all fundamental parts of Requst. You know, one of the really big parts of Requst is behavioral science. How you know what will get people to kind of change their behaviors? Because it you know it's not as simple as putting an app out there and saying, "Oh, I delivered the app; people will just adopt it." You know, this is not an Instagram uh, kind of an app. It's an app where you you're changing the behavior. You're evolving. A very entrenched and old ecosystem, and you got to get that ecosystem to move. And so, the behavioral science component, uh, making sure that there's something that we can do, pushing it just as far as it can be pushed right now, and then, you know, of course, you know, keep iterating on that. I think there's a tremendous appetite for that. And we see it in literature, we see it in conferences. And again, just we're very fortunate because it aligns very well with what Reckless is doing. And you'll know, you get this feeling as I do. Sometimes I hear other people talking and without knowing it, they're really describing, you know, the path that's in front of of Request and the things we're currently working on without even knowing it.
0: Yeah, and and, and you're seeing that uh, more and more. I mean, just the other day, Bill McDermott, uh, ex-CEO of SAP, now CEO of ServiceNow, talking about the decade of the enterprise uh, digitization underway, which is sort of a bigger umbrella to sort of our concepts around the digitization, you know, the enterprise supply chain digitization decade. yeah, so it's—I mean, it's—it's it, it, becoming top of mind. But you know, I, I think there's also a story about request itself, from your point of view, on you know, kind of what you know, how did request get formed? How did it get started? You know, how did yeah. you get involved? Because I think that's really important for yeah, people to understand, because there's a great yeah. story there too.
1: Yeah, and that's a great point. You know, the idea of concepts are interesting, and directions and visions are all interesting. Strategies interesting but really execution is foundational, right? What, what's the reality or what's actually you know, the, the, the tactical things that are happening here? And really, you know, the formation of Request was really formed on, the, on the, the departure of eBay from a partnership. So I was with a company that had a partnership with eBay, as you know, and then we, there was other, uh, other companies that have partners with eBay to kind of develop some supply chain uh, functionality for each of these different, different industries. And then uh, eBay had decided to kind of more focus on the consumer space, which is a fair decision for them. And so you had these partners of eBay at the table, and we just turned towards each other. And there was enough momentum that we harnessed that and got together with one of those partners. So previous coming out was a we got together with Whirly and really started to kind of, we got together, started with a loose partnership. We just worked together informally. And then determine that, you know, this was working and then figure out that we formalize that the formation of Reckless, which uh, launched in August 1 of 2018. And there's a lot of interesting DNA in Reckless, which, which is, you know, Reckless is not one of those tech companies trying to disrupt, you know, an industry that nobody's ever been in, but they think they can disrupt that industry. Right. That That's not what Reckless is. The great differentiator here is we have very deep, you know, supply, uh, uh, subject matter expertise in supply chain, demand chain, marketplace, tech, platform, everything we're working on. We have very, very deep subject subject matter expertise, which meant that at day one, when REC was, was formed, as I said, in 2018, day one, the company was global. We had folks with very diverse backgrounds. The, comp- the, the company personnel, you know, distributed globally. And then our business was globally media. I think some of our, you know, our first transactions were occurring in Qatar, which, you know, obviously around the world and in Australia and other locations. Um, and then, you know, it, it's just very, it, it's inherent to the space that we're working on right now, which is resource energy chemical. We're not, we're not industry specific, but, you know, obviously, it, it, you know, as we said before, you want to get relevance in one area and then kind of branch out of that. And really that became the formation of it. So Reckless had a very different DNA to what you might think of as a tech company. It's a global in nature, deep subject matter expertise, uh, the business is global, Uh, just a lot of differentiators that, you know, from my perspective, make it even a lot more exciting, right? Just a tremendous place to be.
0: Yeah, and and again, this is one of those things I think is really interesting uh, to point out to people, and I'd love to, you know, get your thoughts on it, but... Having a company like Worley, you know, formerly Worley Parsons Worley um, be the initial partner slash investor is not only a unique thing for us as a startup in that part of the story, but also for Worley itself, right? That's a new thing for them. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's really an important part of the formation.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and like to your point, you know, Worley is an investor in Reckless. They're a partner of Reckless, so we partner for them on transactions. And they're also a customer of Reckless. And I, obviously, I lovingly refer to them as patient zero because they're so willing to get on board with us and try the new things and that we're developing and provide feedback. And so there's not enough good, I can say, about that partnership. And really, if you think about Worley, they provide Reckless an incredible you know, access and credibility in the space that we're focused on, research, energy, chemical and then we bring the relevance. And so what that does is we're, you know, we're uh, uh, way ahead uh, from a maturity perspective because the presence that worldly brought to the table. Now, conversely, from a worldly perspective, you know, I think what people might not know about worldly is that, you know, there's almost this kind of worldly venture side of career field. That's not a formal organization. That's just the way I would express it is, you know, they have a very focused a digital piece of their business and they focus on investing, enabling, partnering with tech companies who can advance, you know, the space that Worley operates in. So, you know, Request being an example of that, and there are others behind that. There's Vecta is another company, uh, Additive Now is another example company of that, where they've invested and have either a partnership or an investment or a joint venture. And so there's really, and of course, Worley having a relationship with plug and play kind of brings all that together. And so I I view Worley now, or a piece of Worley, almost as a Worley Ventures, you know, doing something that's I think very different in this space, which I would, you know, which is more now on the tech side more common, right? Thinking about you know Intel Capital or the Google Ventures or whatever it is, is something that you and I are sure to be more used to. But I think really Whirly is bringing that over to the resource energy chemical space in a way that people actually don't realize yet.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, I think that was kind of the thing that I was teasing out there a little bit is that. Now, this the investment in Request represents Worley's first real investment in a company of this style, right? They're used to sort of joint ventures, and I think that's an interesting part of the story. And, you know, they've done a great job, great partner, and I think you highlight all the things there. But it also then leads into kind of, you know, uh, the, the space, the positioning, um, you know, the access. Uh, you know, as we look back, and <laughs> maybe a few years from now, when Request is up and going and, you know, had a liquidity event and and, and you go off into the sunset, retired, and kind of write your memoirs, you looking back on this and thinking about the story of how this kind of started, um, you know, I'd love to double click into that because I think it's really important that, you know, w- again, for most people listening, they might not know who Worley is, but it's, you know, it's a giant $20 billion company, um, you know, services all the majors around the world. Um, you know, with, with that, as you said, that gives us an entree to all sorts of types of companies that you are interacting with now as, as the CEO at a very high level. And we're at the highest levels, too, in these companies, you know, versus being a startup trying to knock on the door of someone like a British Petroleum. Can you talk to that a little bit? Because I think that lays the foundation of to kind of things I'm going to talk about in 2019 for Request.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's kind of two fronts from that access that occurred. One is when we're trying to determine, you know, when Request and you know this, we're trying to, to ensure that we're validating, that we're thinking the right things, the vision aligns, all that. We've been able to just pull on a tremendous amount of resources from the space to kind of act as input to us, right? We have something we refer to as the Champions Network, and that's a large group of individuals in the supply chain space in in the resource energy chemical uh, industry that serve as a sounding board for us that provide, you know, feedback. And that's from all the majors that somebody will think about. They'll they'll be folks that will work with Chevron, with BP, uh, all the, you know, the the large uh, logos in that space. Which really helps us ensure that we're validating and thinking the right things, but then separately uh, we also conversely kind of gain access to the market in that way as well and I think one of the benefits to early early adoption of reckless is we actually weren't trying to sell reckless we were more trying to partner with the industry for you know to validate what we're doing and kind of ad- advance the supply chain ball and so really it started as a partnership which kind of converts, if you will into kind of that you know uh, role or that uh, customer experience with reckless right and so we've been able uh through that to uh, you know have some pretty significant contracts uh you know that reckless normally or a company of reckless's maturity would not have so including the contract for shell qatar shell uk uh, bp uh, downstream in the us bp upstream global uh, just a sign, and I'm, I'm i'm sure i'm missing uh, a valet uh, from a mining perspective of one, of one of the biggest mining companies in the world. Uh, just, you know, contracts that you wouldn't expect a company of our maturity to have, were able to get to that level and, uh, and, you know, uh, justify those of the presence of Worley and then our engagement with those companies separate than just as a customer, just engage with them to be a part of the development of Reckless.
0: Right. And, and, that's a great kind of jumping point into kind of, you know, looking back on this last year, 2019, both for the industry and Request, because there's now thinking about, you know, what's happened since the formation in August of 2018. So really 2019 is Request's first year of operation. A lot's gone on, um, you know, can, can, can you talk a little bit about that and then also, you know, how that kind of parallels with the industry itself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the transparency for, from that, from a request perspective is, you know, as you said, 2019 is really, you know, when the team started to come together, right? We had a formation that occurred in the fourth quarter of 2018 calendar year and bringing uh, the different elements of the team together. Uh, initially, some of them being seconded to, uh, to Reckless and now those people coming over full time as we're as we're in a formal uh, round of, of investment right now. We're in our A round formation that's going to occur early in 2020. Uh, and so, you know, really, it's making sure that you get all the elements of the company together working in a way that scales, right? One of the differences with the Request, I didn't call it earlier, is that we're not only launching, but we launch and scale simultaneously. There's no launching Request to five test users. It doesn't work that way. If we're enabling an ecosystem. So, for example, and, you know, more than anybody, we launched the uh, procurement capability late in the summer of 2019. And immediately, you know, that is going to need to scale. It was being used, you know, halfway around the world by... Uh, the team that, that works with Chevron over at Whirly, and so it, right away there's just a tremendous amount of of, of uh, adoption, and in fact, going into 2020, you know, there's uh, there's this first trough of a three billion dollar procurement ecosystem that's coming to request, and the only thing that that's inhibiting that pace is our ability to, you know, to allow to absorb that that ecosystem in, right, and doing it in the right way, and making it we're doing it in a way that that uh, that can scale as well, right, and so. It was a tremendous year. We 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 brought the team together. Uh, we start to form our our own uh, culture. As you know, that's very important. So that the culture start to develop. It's challenging when you're in different locations, and so that's something that we still strive for uh, to get going today. Uh, probably, you know, we're gonna try to have centers of gravity formed. So Perth will be one of those. Uh, San Francisco region where you're located will be one of those. For obvious reasons, and probably Houston. Where today uh, we start to now hire and build up a team there, and some of us are going to relocate to Houston. Is that becoming probably the headquarters for Reckless, at least for some time, uh, is right in front of us. So it's been a it's been a tremendous year. We've had tremendous wins. Uh, we've had you know we've had the marketplace or so the idea, you know, the use case of, of you know allowing uh, the the sale of disposition and getting you know more value back on uh, on surplus disposition has been a tremendous use case for us. We've got a lot of adoption. And then eventually moving on to the launch of, of procurement and along that way, secured a lot of uh, significant contracts and really have a diversity of um, assets on the platform. And, you know, for example, you know, we have lots of hats, gloves and boots on the platform uh, on the, what we consider kind of lower end value wise. And then it goes all the way to the other side where we had on our platform uh, some, a power unit that was uh, that was listed for, you know, almost 100 million euro which uh, which uh, with a sale I just concluded a few weeks ago uh, right now, between a buyer and seller on that, on that power unit. And I have to say that, you know, we're learning more all the time this year. It was a great year of learning for us. Uh, we didn't think that having such a high priced asset on the platform quite made sense for us at the moment. Now we're realizing that there's a lot of much higher value assets out there that could benefit from a platform, the exposure and, um Things that seem uh, potentially we'll think about are inherently happening, but it may not. Um, for example, you know, all these assets need to have their, the, the data collected and have a, you know, have a standardized asset record, make sure all that is there. And, and this is an analogy that you draw quite often, Richard, you know, kind of having the car facts of that asset. It's not just for the assets that we might think are mainstream assets. Even, even at the lower end and at the higher end, all that same thought process, is just as relevant and even more important at the high end, obviously, because having all the proper documentation significantly impacts the value of an asset, right? That's across, that, that doesn't matter what industry. And so, great year of learning, great year bringing the team together, great wins under our belt, things that we need now as we pivot on to 2020, we need to instantiate and execute on a lot of those. And, you know, right in front of us in 2020, there has been a tremendous growth year for us in terms of. know the team will at least double in 2020 and if we could do it responsibly and well we would probably increase faster than that you know what's important for us is finding the right people we're not just trying to fill seats we're trying to find the right people right capability and right culture and so it's just been a great year for us
0: and and that's you know uh you know awesome reflections and and again just just so i can replay this a little bit because i think it's worth it but you know, a $100 million dollar euro power plant um, is, is not your typical thing that you see in any marketplace, you know, anywhere. Uh, uh, but the fact that Requs was able to find something like that, have it, and actually have a successful conclusion to that is unreal in year one. Um, some of the brand names that you're talking about in there in the energy space, like British Petroleum, Chevron Shell, having access to those and working with those, again, in year one of operations is unbelievable. And then even to, you know, make money in year one um which i know is you know you <laughs> a driver behind it and getting us going and motivated but you know you've, you've you've marshaled us all to kind of get in line and get that done and really hit the marks that you set for us at the beginning of the year we've hit them towards the end of the year um you know do you want to so it's i mean yeah
1: i, I have to say that to some transparency from a revenue side is um i come i i've come from a, a background a, a a string of companies that have all had a really disciplined, you know, execution on driving the revenue. And I I mentioned Carl Eschenbach before in VMware. He had a great impact on me. And he had he had a tremendous way of, of as you say, just marshalling an entire global organization towards hitting revenue numbers at a very consistent pace, right? And so not having these, these kind of very spiky charts that look like a heartbeat, but very consistent growth, getting the right people, growing the company. And, and that's really, you know, what we're trying to embody on our side. And so there's a balance that occurs, right? Of course, we want to do all the right, all the right things, and develop the company the right way, and invest in the right areas. And those are all things we're going to keep doing. And at the same time, we need to make sure that we're looking towards and driving revenue that kind of balances that out. And I, and I have to say that, you know, the team has just done a, a tremendous job from that perspective. It's something that's not easy to do. I mean, even when we sign large contracts, first, if you think of a company like Reckless, and if you're in this space, you'll understand what I'm going to say, there's a long sales cycle to engaging a large company in the resource energy chemical space. It's just inherent. It's not It's not an indictment. It's not good or bad. It's just a reality. But then signing a contract, nothing has yet happened. Then you have to instantiate that contract, start executing, and get the some results. And so, it gives you a sense of kind of there, there's quite a long lead time to get to get that revenue. So, you know, you do the right things during that time. And then right now, what I'm very proud of is that as we turn from calendar year nine, you know, 2019 to 2020, uh, you know, we, we've we been able to hit those marks and actually exceed them right now. I don't want to call out specific numbers here, but it's been a really tremendous year from a booking slash revenue perspective for us. We're definitely ahead of plan, and, and you know, hopefully, going to carry that into twenty twenty, and uh, and uh, have the same occur there.
0: Well, the enthusiasm is there. There's no question about it, and I know we're all we're all, we're all drinking from the Kool Aid for sure. But I'm yeah. going to kind of turn it a little bit, um, you know, back. Not turn a little bit, but twist a little bit. So, also, you know, as as the CEO, right? Um, you know, not not only are you the CEO of an exciting new company and an exciting new space, kind of leading that charge. Um, but you're also the CEO of a startup. Um, how about that thinking from the CEO's perspective? You know, any you know big lessons learned that you kind of take from year one because it's it's there's so much learning in a startup and so much that you, you have to go in kind of eyes wide open with a with a with a with a you know you've got some preconceived thoughts but you know you've also got to be flexible enough to adapt as you move through. And, you know. Can you talk to a little bit about that as CEO? What have you seen in this first year? What have you learned in this first year? And then that's going to segue into kind of how you drive what you're planning for 2020.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, So what I would say is that, um, you know, I've been fortunate to be in the earlier part of startups that have been successful. So I've been able to observe and then participate and in some ways lead, you know, some of that, you know, gaining relevance and then starting to move up and then, Getting to that, you know, everybody, you know, when they think about kind of business success and metrics, kind of the hockey sticks that go up into the right, right. So I've been very fortunate to be spend a, quite a bit of time, you know, in environments like that. And so coming into the request, I had a, a great idea, I think of the the pieces and the evidence of the of what we want to see in the organization to kind of show us we're going in that direction. Now, I would stop there and say, but I would also say this: if if anybody, when if you're doing your job and you're not learning anything you know, something's wrong, right? You're not paying attention. So there's a lot of still learnings across the board, right? I think a good learning, uh, you know, for, for us this year is to kind of not necessarily uh, pigeonhole or frame the different people that we needed to have in the company, meaning that we're looking obviously for some level of capability. We're looking for a, a cultural fit, but that doesn't mean that the DNA of those people is the same DNA, right? It's a kind of important. They They could have different backgrounds. They can have, different types of educations they may they may have been in computer science their entire life or may have recently jumped into the space out of you know out, out of uh, some other area they're working on, maybe even supply chain and became a technologist along the way. And so I think one of the things that we learned as an organization reckless is you know the diversity of our organization has really made a difference and it's not this oh, that's a career salesperson, that's a career developer, that's a career operations person, that's a career finance person. Those are not the people you'll 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 tend to find this year in Reckless. It was people who've kind of evolved their careers and and are in some pat on a, they're on an arc in their career that's not just you know unidirectional, right? They've had a they've had a more textured background, and I think that's actually you know Reckless much stronger. I think we'll find that in in when I look back on the year, we've had tremendous feedback and insights in the organization that have just cross-pollinated from one function area to another. Where normally you know you wouldn't necessarily think of that, uh, think of that inherently. So I think that was a great learning, and and that diversity and that you know the that that fibers and being a strength for us going into 2020. I foresee that we're going to be hiring more people like that. They're going to be turning into Reckless that might not have been a that have never worked for a technology platform ever. We're going to come into Reckless and they're going to change and move the ball forward in the way that we didn't even think about.
0: Yeah. So Reckless is you know, uh, and, and I know you you talk about this, but you know over time people are going to start looking to uh, potentially recruit from Request just because of what we're doing, right? We're going to create that DNA and that structure of that kind of new um, new supply chain professional that is a mixture of business talents. You know, it's got not only supply chain expertise, but, you know, general business expertise and technology expertise. You know, you can't live in a supply chain world that doesn't have that cross functionality within its own DNA, which has been missing before. And I think that's one of the things that embodies not only Request but um, kind of the, the new type of supply chain professional that's coming. Um, yeah. With yeah. that though, and kind of pivoting, looking forward. So 2019 big year both for request and the industry. How do you see 2020? What what, what do you see kind of coming up both for the company and for the industry? What are your observations?
1: Yeah. So you know, there's a lot going on from a supply chain perspective, and if you know, and I'm an avid reader. I, I love to read, and so you know, there's just a lot of things out there, but. Some things have been hanging longer than others. And so my perspective on 2020 is the industry focusing on where they'll get start to get, you know, uh, uh, measurable benefits from. And so whether that's, you know, IoT or blockchain or, you know, drawing the value out of data, you know, the analytics and insights that come out of data uh, or edge computing or whatever piece that we're looking at. I think that some of those have been hanging out there, meaning you've gone to a number of conferences over a number of years, and you've kind of got the same view of, you know, and that doesn't make, that doesn't invalidate. It just means that I view 2020 as more of a year where those things start to instantiate. And instead of talking about, you know, the theory of blockchain, I think we'll see some actual, you know, practical, tactical. It doesn't have to be the coolest thing about blockchain but it's going to, somebody's going to implement it and get actual value out of it. They're going to do something where value. The same thing, you know, Arundo is another company that Worldly works with, that we've been very fortunate to be exposed to, you know, the way that they, you know, use it and deliver value from analytics. I think you'll see more of those kinds of implementations. So, you know, probably uh, nothing that, I would say 2020, I don't think it will be anything unexpected that's come out of left field, but I think it's going to be some actual, very practical, valuable instantiations of a lot of what we've been hearing about, really haven't felt the benefits from, right? Uh, If you think about Reckless along those lines, you know, for us, uh, 2020 is going to be a growth year. As I said earlier, we're going to close our first A round of financing in in the first quarter of the year. And then, you know, we're going to be on a path to double the company. You know, things that are in front of us is being able to manage growth, you know, scale the company in a way that we're, we're moving, you know, continuing to move the platform forward and the experience for our customers. I think it'll be a year that we're really going to exploit these contracts that we've formed. So, you know, of course it's important to keep winning business or keep winning the right to do business, right? Which will a contract give you, right? It doesn't give you the business, but gives you the right, you know, to, to have that business. I think we're going to be exploiting those and, 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 you know, knocking down some others. And I think 2020 is also a year where Reckless will see some competition. We're going to see some other players that are thinking about pieces of what we're doing and start to instantiate that. And, You know, contrary to what it might sound like, I actually don't think that's a negative thing. I think that's actually very positive for for more momentum to build up on on supply chain demand chain, which, you know, as you know, Richard, I I I refer to as value networks because, you know, I think supply chain and demand chain go hand in hand. And I don't think they're a chain. And so I'll often refer to supply chain more as a a value network. And I think some companies that are contributing to that will come about in 2020 and in some ways i'm excited to even engage with them if we can find partnerships that work and really extend what uh what reckless is doing and then i would end on that note for reckless because you know there's only so much you can do in 12 months but i think what you'll see reckless also is extending the reach and extending our tentacles into you know being integrated with other systems that, that are around reckless right and trying to trying to uh make that experience smoother for our customers so we're integrated with other systems that they're using uh, and i think if we end 2020 you know if we hit all the notes i just talked about uh, i think it'd be a tremendously successful year and i'll also add you know hitting our revenue number as i always do but uh hitting our revenue and i think that would be a tremendous year for us
0: yeah and i think those are You know, that again, great kind of view of of what's coming. And and I want to double, I don't want to leave on this because I want to double, I want to double click on it for a second. But, you know, you talk about kind of things that are happening in the industry, uh, both uh, from investment and competition and and how that's starting to come in in 2020, which is a new thing. So the question here is, you know, as you've gone out and started to talk to, you know, uh, all sorts of different investment types, everything from venture capital to private equity, you know, and, and get your initial, not only feedback on Request, but then just the industry and what's going on, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you've got some thoughts on how investment is going to start to move into this massive space, how they're looking to get in, um, you know, can you talk right. to that? And I think that's going to also fuel the competition, obviously. So how do you yeah. see that all kind of connecting together? Because I think it's a big, big change that's coming. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, you know, and, and I, I think, right, Richard, and the first thing I'll provide this disclaimer is I don't represent you know, any uh, any uh, venture or private equity funding association, but I will give you my thoughts on it. My thoughts on it when I think about this is, uh, I said before, you know, if the supply chain is demand chain, it really turns into a value network. If you think of any company, a company is really the sum of its supply chain, meaning how it makes things, and its demand chain, how it sells the things, right? Any company comes down to kind of the the sum of those two sides you know, of, of their organization. And that encompasses a value network, right? So a supply chain, demand chain, what I refer to as the value network. Well, my perspective is that you know, that, is the, that is, and I have a slide on, on, on the deck that I that I call that, this is for all the marbles. I don't think there's anything bigger out there. I think that nobody's gonna notice that we're gonna launch two new you know, mobile you know, uh, uh, social apps next year right i think nobody, somebody's going to launch a new streaming service nobody's going to notice that next year not an indictment on any of those any of those industries it's just like you know that's not what's going to change the world what's going to really change the world is this there's no bigger nut and the numbers are so big you know you hesitate to say because you know it's 12 trillion it's 100 trillion it's just the numbers are crazy because we are talking about the biggest part of what's of the commerce going on, on the planet today so i think there's no bigger thing to focus on and that creates a challenge, and the challenge is: how do you address this from an, as, from an investor perspective? What do you invest in to get involved in this? Right? How do you get involved in this? And I think that if you think about the large uh, PE firms, which are obviously interested in investing in more mature organizations than the venture earlier stage of companies, I think they're on the sidelines. Of course, it was a huge investment year in supply chain overall, so. I don't want this to sound like nothing's happening because it was, it was one of the record years, but it's nowhere near where it's going to be you know in a few years from now, and I think the the reticence or my view on the reticence, is, is for for those organizations where the people who have the money, private equity and venture, to figure out how to get involved, how to get involved without getting hurt and really starting to have some success on that start and, and changing that right that becoming a space that that makes a difference for us. And, I would say that the folks I've been exposed to this year all have an appetite to move that ball forward. But at the same time, the reticence is to make sure that they do it in a way that, you know, they're not trying to boil the ocean. They get involved in something that's uh, that's valuable and makes sense and, you know, will we'll, we'll provide obviously a return, which is what they're looking for. And so I, I would say that the supply chain, demand chain. When I talk to folks, I tell them they're the cool kids on the block now. Everybody wants to be with them. I don't know if they know it, but everybody wants to be with them.
0: Yeah, in a way, it's sort of like the, uh, you know, back when technology kids were the geeks, then the internet comes, now technology is all cool. Supply chain is going to be that. It's sort of the new new thing, uh, which is interesting. But that's. That's awesome. So that's, that's I mean, a, a great view of investment, how it's going to kind of change the landscape, you know, how that's sort of a new entree, both for the investors themselves that are traditionally kind of chasing after the next technology shiny ball, but you know, they're leaving aside this massive economic sector that we know is the enterprise supply chain that you've highlighted really well. And you're seeing that directly in the interactions that you're having. And quite frankly, you know, you're going to be, you know, not only are you soliciting for investment, but you're, you know, in a way almost educating a lot of these potential investors in how to get into the space, what's the proper way to get into the space. And that's a really interesting role to be in, right? I mean, you're not panhandling yeah. necessarily entirely when you're out there pitching, but, but in a way, you know, and again, this isn't trying to sound hubristic, but truly kind of they're asking questions of you. Like, how do we even get in? Where do we invest? Yeah, yeah and
1: I think it goes both ways. As I said before, if you're doing anything and not learning, something is wrong, right? So we learn a tremendous amount by engaging with them because they're on the edges. They might have an investment in here, but, you know, in this, in the space. But, and so we learn a tremendous amount from them as well. So, you know, the 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 learning aspect is a two-way street and something we, we benefit from as well. So it, it the process itself, I have to say that the the need to raise capital, obviously, there's a tactical need because you need to get that those financial resources into a bank account to fund the company. But I would say the exercise, the engagement exercise that that's required to do that in itself delivers quite a bit of value.
0: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, any any parting parting thoughts or anything? Because we just kind of close, move into the holidays. Anything you want to kind of close yeah. on? <laughs>
1: well uh the one thing i would say about it and we haven't talked about this is the industry the industry agnosticism of uh of uh requests and one of the ways that we didn't get hurt and that we got involved in a way that we kind of hedged our bets what did that for us right was Worley. Worley was our solution right we didn't try to go for you know work this from the outside we partnered with a leader on the inside and that's how we hedged our bet, and that's how we draw, we've driven our success to this point and, and hopefully going forward, right? So we've been very fortunate in that way. And what I would say is that as we look to other industries, and this could be, you know, as I said, you don't want to boil the ocean, but maybe you know, maybe in the second half of 2020 or going to 2021, or if somebody approached us, we would look to partner with an organization similar to world, in another space, and that's how we would extend, right? We would innovate from within. So we're not going to knock on doors from the outside. The way we hedge our bets is, for example, as we were going to aeronautics, and, or if that was the place we were going to go, an example company would partner with, potentially like a Lockheed Martin. We, we you know, a, an example of a company, we partner and then we would, again, work that ecosystem from within the ecosystem with an industry leader. And so the, the, the challenges that the VCs and the PEs face and they're wanting to invest in supply chain we face that a little bit as we look at other industries and this and that's the way that we've solved is what i just discussed that's how we're hedging our bets and penetrating other areas um, and i would say that you know uh, some parting thoughts is you know the reckless team has earned a, a little bit of rest i've been a, i've been hard on the team in a lot of ways uh we're a very geographically dispersed team so people tend to work a significant amount of hours and i hate to even quote it because it's going to be significant and that's probably true of every startup, just a little bit more on steroids for Reckless in terms of, of, you know, the constant work that goes on. But, uh, you know, from the same time, it's probably the time where we work the most and, and could be the most tired, but at the same time, most energized by what we're doing. And so, you know, my hope is that everybody has a, you know, a, a great holiday. Uh, everybody rests up and just guess, comes out ready for 2020 because it's going to be an incredible year
0: Awesome. Well, that's a, that's a that's a great 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 note to end on. So, you know, again, can't can thank you enough for the time. Um, can't thank you enough for uh, the leadership and request and kind of what you've been doing and bringing to bear. You know, telling your story. Uh, it's going to be happening quite a bit more, I think. 2020 for us all, um, you know, including yourself, myself, everyone on the request team is going to be, you know, it just gets busier and busier with each day. Uh, success bring, you know, breeds that busyness, which is a good thing. Um, but you know, it's great to hear your story, um, your observations, and I'm sure we're going to be doing this again. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Richard. Really appreciate it.